Ladies and gentlemen, this evening's performance of The Diz Explorers will begin in two minutes. Excellent listening locations are still available all around Showcase Promenade. Due to the use of alcohol and opinions around the lagoon, for your safety, we request that you remain on the promenade side of all railings. During the show, please watch your step and take small children firmly by the hand. Once again, this evening's performance of The Diz Explorers will begin in just two minutes. Thank you. This is Mel with the Diz Explorers podcast, and welcome to an extremely late movie review mini-sode on the road. It's on the road because sometimes my time is tight and I'm heading home from the gym to go get some things done, and I thought that this would be a good time to talk with you guys about Captain Marvel, thus the extremely late part, because today is April 25th. For you avid MCU fans out there, you'll know that Avengers Endgame is coming out today, which means Captain Marvel was actually released about a month ago. And I just saw it earlier this week. So yep, we're extremely late on all of that. Now, I'm going to jump right into this review so we can keep this mini-sode at a mini-length. And I'm going to start with the bottom line because when I was searching for reviews... Before I saw Captain Marvel, all I really wanted to know, honestly, was do you need to see Captain Marvel in order to understand or even enjoy Avengers Endgame? And luckily for most people, because a lot of people haven't seen Captain Marvel, the answer is no. No, you do not need to see Captain Marvel in order to understand Avengers Endgame. Which brings me to my other thought was, was this film actually even necessary and again, at this point in the MCU, I'm going to say no. We, I really think that Captain Marvel is kind of out of place, out of sync with this part of the MCU. Because where we are, we're, we're in conclusion mode of the MCU. And Captain Marvel's kind of beginning a new journey, a new origin story. Her story has yet to be told. Which is kind of odd considering we're concluding the MCU. Well, at least version 1.0 of the MCU. So the timing, it, it's just odd and off-putting for this movie. Which I think has contributed to a lot of the negative reviews. Because as an audience, we've been on a decade-long ride with all of these characters and their stories. And... As we are drawing near to the conclusion, a conclusion we are so ready for, so ready, in a good way, for this new character comes, and we're just not emotionally available to her, to accept her, to even want her at this point in the story arc of all of the Avengers and the Guardians and everything of that, and all of our heroes. So it's just that the timing, I think, is really odd. Now, with every Marvel movie, there's good, there's bad, there's weird, and there's interesting, and, and this is no exception. I'm going to briefly hit on the bad first, because I always like to end on a positive note. So let's start off with the, a few bad points. Number one, briefly, briefly, 
We begin this movie in Carol Danvers, who is Captain America. I'm Captain America. Captain Marvel. <laughs> um, she's with the Kree. She is a Kree. She's got the blue blood, even though we all kind of know she's human. But she's with the Kree. She's Team Kree. She's going to be sent on missions by them. She's being trained by them. So we're supposed to be on the Kree side. Now, most people at this point have seen Guardians of the Galaxy, so we know. We already know that the Kree are not awesome people. They're not the good guys. So when the plot twist comes about half to two-thirds of the way through the movie, that's surprise, surprise, the Kree are not the good guys. No one's surprised. So that kind of falls flat. My other problem with Captain Marvel is the whole amnesia storyline. I'm not fond of amnesia as a plot device personally, but in this case, Amnesia as a storyline has already been done. It's been done in many movies, and it's been done in other Marvel movies, and it's been done better. Think back to Wolverine and Logan's story. That story was eloquently done and beautifully lit out. Was it perfect? No. I mean, no Marvel movie series is perfect, but I think it was much better done by Wolverine. So that, you know, as... Carol Danvers is getting to know herself again through flashbacks and memories. We get to know her, but it just seems choppy and poorly edited. I, I think the movie makers did a much better job with Wolverine's story, so it kind of, again, fell flat when we're talking about amnesia as a storyline. So let, let's push the bat aside and jump, and jump right into the weird. I'm going to say the weird for this movie was the casting. And I'm not even talking about Brie Larson. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about her in a minute. But the, the first odd choice, I think, for me was Annette Bening as the supreme intelligence that we see as Carol Danvers encounters the supreme intelligence. And this is an artificial intelligence, super being kind of thing that the Kree worship or honor. I don't really know. I'm not a comic book reader. I, I, I fully admit I'm not a comic book reader. So the only thing I know about the MCU comes from the movies themselves. So this artificial intelligence super being, we interact with it in the version of someone from the character's past. So it makes interacting with it a little more natural. And in this case, the artificial intelligence takes the form of Annette Bening. <laughs> no joke. And Annette Bening is a person, a human from Carol Danvers' past, although she doesn't really know it at the time. And she interacts with her. Now, Annette Bening also plays Dr. Larson, who is the human, and she's, I think, an aeronautical engineer. She designs a spaceship, airplane, device thing that's supposed to be able to sail through space. And the interesting thing, we'll jump straight to an interesting thing, is that the power source for this spaceship airplane is derived from the Tesseract. So the Tesseract doesn't actually power it but the power comes from the Tesseract. So the engine core is blue, kind of like the Kree blood is blue. It's all blue. Um, so I love Annette Bening. I'm a woman in my 40s. I've enjoyed her movies for years. And I usually enjoy her and her characters. But this time it just felt weird. And that kind of hurt my heart a little bit because I wanted to like her. I was like, ooh, Annette Bening. And then I was like, ooh, Annette Bening. So, I don't know. It was a weird casting choice. 
The other weird casting choice I'm going to go with is Jude Law for Yon Rog, Eggnog, whatever his name is. I don't know. Um, he is the Kree warrior who finds Carol Danvers on Earth, and she's got amnesia, and she takes, well, sort of, and we'll find out how she gets amnesia in a second, but spoilers. So he's the one training her on the Kree planet. I don't know. Jude Law is kind of an odd choice for me because honestly, the character doesn't have such vital importance that we need an A-lister to keep our attention. Anyone could have played this character. Anyone at all could have played this character. And it really would not have mattered. But hey, it's Jude Law. He's easy on the eyes. I'm okay with it. It's just a little weird. The next weird casting choice, I'm just going to talk about Brie Larson. I, I don't really care about all the negative stuff going on on the interwebs about her. I really don't. I just like my Marvel movies to be Marvel movies and fun. But in one of the early training scenes where Carol Danvers, or Verse as she's known to them, as she's training, Yon Rog, which is Jude Law, is trying to train her to push her emotions aside as she's fighting. He's telling her that emotions are a weakness for her. Unfortunately, her emotions get pushed out of her acting as well. So Brie Larson comes off as this emotionless, drone-ish kind of robotic character for most of her scenes. Now, I don't want to say that and I think this was an acting choice by Brie Larson. I'm not saying that this was bad acting. I think it was a choice to put emotions aside because that's what she's been trained to do. So I'm not saying she's emotionless. I'm saying she's kind of, I think at least, beyond emotions. So there is a difference, but we don't know enough about Carol Danvers. We don't like Carol Danvers enough for this emotionlessness to be a trait that's compelling for us. It, unlike a Spock who is you know, can separate himself from emotions. We love Spock. Spock's great. Spock's actually charming in his emotionless scenes. And when he does show, you know, emotions, because Spock is half human, it's all the more endearing. Well, that's just not the case here for Carol Danvers. It's, it doesn't play as well. It just kind of plays like she's stiff as a board and is not showing any emotions. The only exception to that, and this is one of the good things about the movie, is when she is in scenes with Samuel L. Jackson. From what I understand, they have an off-screen friendship as well, and that actually shows on screen, because when those two are on screen together, it's almost more like a buddy movie. You can tell they enjoy each other, you can tell they enjoy being around each other, and I'm going to actually kind of attribute that to Samuel L. Jackson's persona. I'm sure because of who he is and the fact that he's been playing Nick Fury for so long, he has got to be able to bring this energy to the set that all of the characters who interact with him can tap into. And I think that's the case when he is on screen with Carol Danvers. So when Nick Fury and Carol Danvers are together, that's when we see emotion. That's when the movie becomes kind of fun again. So I think that's something that Samuel L. Jackson kind of brings out in Brie Larson's acting. So that was one of the good things. Another good thing was the flurkin. The flurkin, the flurkin, the flurkin. I love the flurkin. Some people don't, but I actually thought it was really cute. Um, the flurkin is a kitty cat. Meow. With an evil octopus 
on the inside. The tentacles come like flying out of its mouth and the kitty cat can eat the tesseract. It's really, really weird, but really, really funny because I have two white fluffy dogs at home and I'm sure all of you with pets have done the same thing. I look at my dogs and somewhere deep inside, I know that they are actually a supreme alien intelligence that was sent to earth to distract us humans. I don't know. I'm firmly, firmly convinced that one of my dogs is from another planet. So that actually kind of made me laugh. It was charming. That was a good part of the movie. Now let's move on to the interesting. Now remember the spaceship airplane that draws its energy source from the Tesseract. This is the one thing that I think might actually play into Endgame. And that is when Carol Danvers is piloting this plane spaceship thing. Of course, the mission goes wrong. She ends up crashing on Earth, but she survives the crash. Faces Jude Law's character for a moment and then ends up shooting the plane and causing an explosion. And in the explosion, Carol Danvers absorbs the energy from the engine, which got its energy from the Tesseract. So, Captain Marvel's powers are coming from the Tesseract indirectly. So, her powers are Infinity Stone adjacent. And that may actually play into... Avengers Endgame. Now, do I think that piece of information is important enough to merit an entire movie, an entire origin story at this point in time? No. Because again, bottom line, I don't think we needed this movie at this point. I think we should, what Marvel should have done if I was Marvel, (laughs) what I would have done is I would have introduced Captain Marvel in Avengers Endgame, because remember, if we're going along with the journey, all half of our team has been decimated by the snap of Thanos. Now, yes, I know most of them are probably going to come back, but at this point in the journey, they're gone. They have been snapped into ashes, and the remaining Avengers and Guardians and adjacent heroes have got to figure out how to move forward. Their power is basically cut in half or more. I think we've actually lost more than half of them. I'm not sure how the math works out there. So this is a great time for Carol Danvers to go, hey, y'all, I, you know, this is horrible. You know, what can I do to be a part of the team? And that would be a great way for her to come in because, yeah, they, they need help at this point. The whole universe needs help. And it'll be a good time for her to come in offering to be a part of the effort to defeat Thanos or figure out how to get our friends back. But no, we've been pushed this whole origin story before that. It's just weird. I I think it would have been better served to have maybe a quick flashback in Endgame. And maybe there is one. Who knows? It comes out later on today. Actually, I'm going to see it Saturday. You know, a, a quick flashback that shows who she is, how she got her powers, how she can help. I think that could be done in three minutes, tops. In a three-hour movie, we got three minutes. And then, after the emotional conclusion, after 
Our emotions have been healed from losing our friends to the cathartic conclusion of Endgame, which I'm hoping there's a cathartic conclusion. I don't know. haven't seen it yet, but after 11 years, there better be a cathartic conclusion. Then introduce Captain Marvel's origin story as the kickoff for the brand new MCU 2.0. Because it's not so much, is this movie good or bad? I just think it was released at a time when we as an audience are not emotionally available to like her. And overall, the movie's kind of just okay. It's not bad for a Marvel movie. I, I don't know the, any worse ones off the top of my head, but there have been bad ones. Come on. We've got, you know, Iron Man 3, Thor Dark World, heck, Avengers 2. Those were all less than stellar Marvel movies. But you see, we forgave Iron Man his Iron Man 3. And we forgave Avengers 2 and all of the less powerful movies because we love the characters. We love Tony Stark. You know I love Thor. So, a less than great movie is forgiven because of our affection for these characters. We don't have any affection for Carol Danvers yet. We don't like Captain Marvel yet. Enough, anyway, in order to forgive a mediocre movie. Now, I say yet because y'all know Captain Marvel 2 and Captain Marvel 3 are coming. That's just how these movies work. So I'm optimistic. I'm open-minded that one day I will indeed enjoy Captain Marvel. It's just that today is not that day. So here's my overall suggestion. If you have not seen Captain Marvel yet, don't do it. Go see Endgame enjoy the conclusion sort of to the MCU 1.0. I know we still have Spider-Man Far From Home to come, but enjoy the end of phase three of Marvel. And then when you have emotionally healed and you're back in a Marvel happy place, then go see Captain Marvel. Because I think at that point, when you're emotionally ready and you're open for a new character and a new journey, a new adventure, that's when Captain Marvel will make the most sense to see. So those are my thoughts. Again, meh movie, just badly timed. Marvel, you should have waited about six months. That That's my biggest criticism of the movie was that the release, the release date just makes no sense at this point. We don't need a phase one movie when we're ready to conclude MCU 1.0. So I hope you do see it in about four or five months time. And I do hope you enjoy it. You can head, if you want to check out the rest of our podcast, you can head on over to DizExplorers.com. There's links to all of our social media. There are links to the individual Diz Explorer troop members' social media. So thanks for joining me today on this extremely late movie review. And until next time, I'll see you real soon.